Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. James 5 and 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. <laughs> that's, that's harsh. Weep and howl. Now, before I can elaborate on what James is getting at here, we first need to get a perspective of the problem of money. The problem about money. I want to show you First Timothy 6 and 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, a lot of people will say money is the root of all kinds of evil. That is not what the Bible says. What did he say? The love of money. You can be rich and be a good believer and use your money for the kingdom. It's totally fine. But the love of money is the problem. It's not money, it's the love of it. And so James is attacking the love of money. James is literally attacking the enmity. Remember he said enmity? It means you're hostile, you're shaking your fist at God, like you're angry. He's attacking that, the people that are against God. So he says, come now you rich. Now he's talking to the people that that were starting fights because they wanted more. They had a love of money. That's who he's going after. Come now you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are, go back to that verse before, that are coming upon you. He didn't say that that are about to be. He says that they already are, because they were already fighting, weren't they? This is the misery that is already here. Again, flip on the news, everybody's fighting, turn on reality TV, everybody's fighting. The miseries that are upon you, that are coming upon you, they're already there. In other words, money won't save you, it will fail you. It's going to fail you. You can tell how worldly and ungodly the majority of people are thinking because you can tell how they think because their very every waking moment that they have is all about getting more money. You know, instead of trying to think about how to get that money, you ought to be thinking about how to get that righteousness, how to get that righteousness of Christ, because money is not going to save you. Never will. Oh, well, it'll fix my problems. No, it won't. It'll make you want more, and that that sin nature from your flesh will cause you to go want more. It'll cause you to fight and war with people. As long as you love that money, you will never be free of the miseries that are coming upon you. That's just how it is. That's how we work. You ought to be thinking about the righteousness of Christ. Money will fail you. James did not say the miseries that might come upon you. He said the miseries that are already there. Let me give you some perspective. If you have a house, it doesn't even have to be paid for. If you have a house, you are living in a decent apartment. If you have a car that you're paying on or not paying on, if you have a house and a car and any money in a bank account 
that puts you in the top 5% richest people on earth. You are in the top 5% richest people in the entire world that has ever walked this planet. Wow. So, how is having more supposed to fix anything? It won't. Guys, we're already in the top. There's a lot of the world out there is very poor. We should be using our money for kingdom work to help others. What you need is not more money. What you need is the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of what your wealth status is. And stop envying what other people have. James said that envy is what causes the fighting in the wars. That's what starts it. I'm sick of people fighting in Iran. I'm sick and tired. Well, wait a minute. Do you wish you had more? Are you always saying, God, I wish I had? Well, guess what? You're part of the problem. Somebody else is saying the same thing about you. I'm sick and tired of Ray doing this. I'm sick and tired of We're all there, guys. Where's your perspective? You know, we're already the richest people that's ever been. Why don't we just say, you know what? I got enough. I got plenty. But I got all these problems. Yeah, you always will. If your money quadrupled, you'd have just more trouble. Okay? Let's just look at Jesus. Christians are supposed to be peacemakers, not war makers. Peacemakers. James 5 and 2. Look at this. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Okay, if I was to ask you if you would like to eat a sandwich with sewage on it, would you eat it? Oh, give me more of that, Ray. I want more. I want more. Okay, that sandwich would be corrupted. Why would you want more of something that's corrupting you? If you have a love of money and you want more, you want more corruption. That's what he says. Your riches are corrupt. Well, not mine, Ray. Um, Look, this is the Bible. God knows better than we do. He inspired James to write this. Your riches are corrupted and your garments, what you get from it, are moth-eaten. That means they're going to fail. They won't withstand eternity. You know, I remember reading in the Bible that the, the Jews who were lost for 40 years, God took such good care of them that the garments they wore for 40 years did not wear out. I can't hardly keep a pair of jeans longer than half a year, okay? These people lived in the desert. <laughs> 40 years, and they had the same clothes, okay? I'm just telling you, it's not money. It's God that will fix your, your issues. Riches rot. Riches rot. Yeah, I had a friend, he, we went fishing, and I gave him a lot of the fish, and uh, I, we brought ours home, and we cleaned it, and cleaned the fish, and we uh, got the fillets, and we ate and put, fr- froze some of the rest of it, whatever. Well, a couple of days later, I went to my friend's house, and I heard flies and could smell something, and I went and looked around the corner in his backyard, and he dumped all those fish. He dumped them. I told him, I ain't never taking you fishing again. He took those fish, and he dumped them, and it wasn't long. They rotted. They rotted fast. And you can't eat that. Not like that. He's saying, that's, what's, that's what your wealth is like. That's what your wealth is like. You're trying to keep it all. You're trying to hoard it up for yourself. It rots. You need to fillet it and, and use it. You need to do something with it. In the kingdom of God, I'm not saying go blow it all. I'm saying you need to be utilizing it. These hoarders, keeping, 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 keeping. It was rotting. And it, was, it, it starts to smell foul when it decomposes. And it'll make you sick. You're supposed to be using it. And so James said that you're 
collected riches are corrupted like decompositional rot. It's no good. It's tainted. And it actually does damage rather than help. Now, everybody thinks, if I just had more money, I could fix all my problems. No, you won't. It does not work that way. That's worldly thinking. If I just had more money, I could fix everything. Worldly thinking, guys, that's not faith talking. Faith never says, okay, go out and make more money and we'll, we'll deal with it that way. That's not how it works. Love of money will just bring more problems. It's corrupted like moth-eaten garments. It's not usable like you think it is. Money is corrupted like moth-eaten garments. It's not usable the way most people think it is. Now, today, people don't really think of gold and silver all that much as money. They think, think more of dollars, you know. But at the time when James wrote this, that was the standard. Gold and silver was the standard, the picture of money. Gold and silver don't rust. They don't rust, but they will corrode. Gold darkens. The shiny parts of gold will darken, and it won't shine anymore. And silver tarnishes when it corrodes. James used this tarnage imagery to illustrate how the poison of greed eats people up. Greed will eat you alive. More problems will bring more corrosion to your lives. If you think about it, what kind of corrosion is that going to bring? The love of money will corrode your health. It will corrode your relationships, which will ultimately corrode the business you're trying to work itself, the business you're trying to make more money. It corrodes. It wears it away. It degrades it. It rots. Now, this was a warning about loving money. Their corrosion, he says, will be a witness against you, and it will eat your flesh like fire. You know, the more gasoline you use, the bigger the flame. And James said, you have heaped up, heaped up, you have heaped up treasure in the last days. The more you hoard up, then the more fuel there's going to be for the fire that will consume those who are lost. The more consummation, the more rot, the more eating up of greed it's going to be. Basically, it's the more you have, the more you want. The Bible says, he who, has, he who loves money never has enough of it. Those who love money, while despising God, the more treasure they hoard up for themselves, then the harder it's going to be for them to repent and turn back to God. In fact, Jesus told a rich man one time how to be saved. He said, sell your possessions, give to the poor. Now, giving to the poor does not save you. So why did Jesus tell the rich man, here's how to be saved, give to the poor? Why did he tell him that? Because Jesus was trying to get the rich man to switch who his God was. Stop loving money, start loving God. That was why he told him to do that. But the rich man wouldn't do it. He turned and walked away. Now, Matthew 19 and 23, from that story, then Jesus said to his disciples, assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The more gas, the more fire. It's going to be that much harder to do. And that rich man, he had so much wealth hoarded up for himself that the corruption of his wealth had poisoned his soul. It had rotted his soul so badly that he refused to put his trust in Jesus, even with Jesus standing right in front of him. I mean, he was right there. He saw him, and he still would not believe in Jesus, because money rotted him out. It ate his flesh alive. 
as James has said. James said that as metals corrode, gold and silver corrode and lose their luster, the poison of greed eats your flesh like fire. In other words, wealth inflames the sin nature to get so raging hot that there's almost no chance that such a person will turn around to God. Now, this is not to say rich people can't be saved. They can. But rich people don't love their money who are saved. They use their money for the kingdom of God. Have you ever used your money for the kingdom of God? No, I can't afford it. (laughs) Then you don't believe God can provide for you. You love your money a little too much. That's the problem. James 5 and 4. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord, the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Okay, James is saying that wealth itself is not what is condemned. He's not condemning wealth. Again, we're dealing with the love of it because he lists all these various workers who are crying out for the wealth they had earned. They went out and and did the work. They should be getting the paycheck. You ever done work and not got paid for it? You ever done work and not got paid for it? It makes you mad because I did the work. I should be getting the pay. Wealth itself is not bad. Wealth is not bad. Money itself is not the root of evil. It's the love of it that is evil. Greed is evil. He's talking to guys that wouldn't pay people that did work for him. They would not pay him their paycheck. God does hear the cries of those who are the victims of fraud, like the injustice that these rich men withheld from the laborers who are being oppressed by the rich. They were holding back their paycheck. And James knew this is how they got rich. They were taking advantage of the poor. And he, said he was condemning that. Holding back on earned wages and oppressing the poor are violations of God's law. I've seen TV shows about guys that go in and fix restaurants that are failing, and the, 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 the owner is always blaming his workforce that they're not doing a good enough job. But when he really would dig down, he would find out that the owner wasn't paying the people. They're there working almost for nothing. He's not paying them. God does not like that. That's in his law. And where it says, don't anger the Lord of Sabaoth, that means the Lord of the armies. Don't make him mad. Leviticus 19.13 says, you shall not cheat your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. That means pay the man. He did the work, pay him. Don't hold it back. Don't try to make a little more interest or keep and hoard a little for yourself. You're rich already. Give the man what he worked for. Pay him. He earned it. You pay it. Now, you can see how these rich men hated God. They they were against God's law, and their violation of God's law is how they got rich in the first place. And a life of self-indulgence, it says. Living self-indulgently. I'm going to live for me, my life, my way. I'm going to do what makes me happy. A life like that will not live as a sacrifice, because sacrificial living means you do for everybody else. This world's so selfish, guys, and I was the the top. I was the one that was the worst. I was like that. 
I bowed to that big dollar in the sky. And the Lord, oh my gosh, did he humble me hard and publicly and painfully. And I'm I'm just telling my friends out there, I can save you a lot of grief, man. Just stop worshiping that money and start worshiping the Lord. Make that switch quick. He has a way of dealing with that. Remember, in the last chapter, King Nebuchadnezzar said, the Lord is able to put down. Oh, you don't want to go that far with it. But a life of self-indulgence refuses to be sacrificial. And so, James, he said this. Remember, he said, you have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Now, the Jews had a real ear for that. They understood that wording because they had all seen a lot of fattened animals who had only been made that big so that they could be made into a sacrifice. The only reason they got that fat was because we're going to slaughter you. And the Jews understood that. So James is saying, guys, you're fattening yourselves. For what? You're going to fatten yourselves because you're going to be slaughtered. Now, when you think of a sacrifice, the sacrifice was to benefit others. It didn't benefit the sacrifice. That cow or that lamb or that fattened animal, whatever it is, is going to find itself one day doomed. It's like, man, I'm living the fat life. I'm doing good. All of a sudden, the day comes, you're done. And it was for others, not him, and not that, not that animal. James was saying that those who live to indulge themselves in wealth are only setting themselves up to be sacrificed, to be cut down for the benefit of others that God had established to be recipients of what they had built up. That's tough. You built it up, all right. It's going to go to others once I take you down a notch. Ecclesiastes 2 and 26 says, For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is just in his sight. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This is also vanity and grasping for the wind. Okay, guys, here's what that verse just meant. (laughs) For those people who still despise God's order and are still hell-bent on trying to be rich and to try to justify themselves, that if so many other people are rich, then what's the problem with me being rich too? Here's the problem. Ecclesiastes 2.26 is your problem. Those greedy people rolling in all that money, the only reason they have that money is because they are being fattened up for a sacrifice to benefit other people. That's the only reason you got that wealth. Oh, I'm enjoying it now, though, Ray. I'm enjoying it now. Yeah, but there's coming the time when God's going to cut you down, and everything you built up is going to go to somebody else. A sacrifice animal has no idea when its end is going to come. All he knows is life's great. But then suddenly it finds itself in an inescapable predicament of being slaughtered. That's what happens to the sacrifice animal. So, if after hearing this message, you go back out into the world, still with the driving priority of your life, being able to make all the money you can, then instead of you being a willful sacrifice, God will make you into a sacrifice taking everything that you build up for yourself and handing it over on a silver platter to him who is good before God. That means everything you're working so hard to build up, to hoard for yourself, money, 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 God is just letting you be a fattened calf. 
you're going to get slaughtered, and it's all going to go to somebody else. Christian, you don't need to worry about money. God has plenty of sinful money worshipers building all that up. And at any moment, he can strike one of them and hand it to you that way. So don't worry about money. God has people gaining all that, gathering all that up for you. We need to serve the kingdom. That's what we do with what we have. With our wealth, we serve the kingdom. If you ever need, get in a spot where you need more, God's got a way of taking care of that. He already told us to the sinner he gives the job of collecting so he can give it to whoever God wants it to go to. Quite a dynamic on economics there, isn't it? That's, that's big. In Romans 12, we are told to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God. It is better to bow your knee and become a living sacrifice than to be shoved down and become a dead sacrifice. Big difference. I'd rather get down on God's terms, willingly bow my own knee and be a living sacrifice than to be pressed down by my shoulders and made to get down and become a dead one. A dead sacrifice. Make your, make your choice. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So which one do you want to be? You want to be a living sacrifice? Okay, God, look, just, just take it. I understand. I've messed up. <laughs> it's better to just let you have it all. You're going to be a living sacrifice, or do you want to be a dead one? Greed, money, will not fix your life. Don't allow the love of money to corrode you. Right now is a good time to get right with Jesus and be a living sacrifice and let it go. You have been a collector long enough. It's time to listen to God tell you where he wants you to give it to and where to put it to somebody who has already been serving God who is struggling, that needs your help, that needs your giving. Money's not going to fix your problem. God will. We are to be givers. Greed will just make you into a gatherer to whoever God chooses you to give it to. Seek first the kingdom, not the money, and you will be given everything you need. This is an easy formula to follow. It's hard to practice, but it's easy to understand. All i got to do is let it all go, and God deals with it. You ever gone to a money manager? Look, I don't understand how to manage money. I need a manager, uh, an investor guy who will take it. He knows what to do with it. Okay, that's money. I'm telling you about faith and life and everything. I'm talking about that. Let God deal with it. He's a good manager. Let him have it. Okay? You've already proven you can't manage it out very well yourself, so let him deal with it. It's a good, easy formula. Okay, James 5 and 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren. Until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Wow. Okay. James, he had, we had seen him say before, he had said, You adulterers, those who are cheating on God and going after money instead of God, you adulterers. And then he said later, oh, weep and howl for your misery, you rich people. Okay? But now he's saying again, brethren. Ah, brethren. He's talking to me. <laughs> believers. He's saying to the believers of Jesus, be patient. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.